0: The second extract from Leave it to Smith relates the first encounter between our hero Smith and our heroine Eve Halliday. But first I will backtrack a few pages to an exchange in which Smith explains the spelling of his name. He has knocked on the door of his friend Jackson's house and the door is opened by the maid. Tell me, is Mrs Jackson at home? No, sir. Not at home? No, sir the young man sighed. Oh, well, he said, we must always remember that these disappointments are sent to us for some good purpose. No doubt they make us more spiritual. Will you inform her that I called? The name is Smith, P. Smith. P. Smith, sir? No, 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 P. S. M. I. T. H., I should explain to you that I started life without the initial letter, and my father always clung ruggedly to the plain smith. But it seemed to me that there were so many smiths in the world that a little variety might well be introduced. Smythe I look on as a cowardly evasion, nor do I approve of the too prevalent custom of tacking another name on in front by means of a hyphen. So I decided to adopt the smith. The P, I should add for your guidance, is silent as in phthisis, psychic, and ptarmigan. Follow me? "Uh, Yes, sir. You don't think, he said anxiously, that I did wrong in pursuing this course? No, 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 sir. Splendid, said the young man, flicking a speck of dust from his coat sleeve. Splendid, splendid. So we rejoined Smith, lounging gracefully in the smoking-room window of the Drones Club which is immediately opposite the Thorpe and Briscoe establishment, at which he had been gazing fixedly for a full five minutes. One would have said that the spectacle enthralled him. He seemed unable to take his eyes off it. There is always a reason for the most apparently inexplicable happenings. It is the practice of Thorpe or Briscoe during the months of summer to run out an awning over the shop, A quiet, genteel awning, of course, nothing to offend the eye, but an awning which offers a quite adequate protection against those sudden showers which are a delightfully piquant feature of the English summer, one of which had just begun to sprinkle the west end of London with a good deal of heartiness and vigour. And under this awning, peering plaintively out at the rain, Eve Halliday, on her way to the Ada Clarkson Employment Bureau had taken refuge. It was she who had so enchained Smith's interest. It was his considered opinion that she improved the Thorpe and Briscoe frontage by about 95%. Pleased and gratified as Smith was to have something nice to look at out of the smoking-room window, he was also somewhat puzzled this girl seemed to him to radiate an atmosphere of wealth. Starting at farthest south and proceeding northward, she began in a gleam of patent leather shoes. fawn stockings, obviously expensive, led up to a black crepe frock. And then, just as the eye was beginning to feel that there could be nothing more, it was stunned by a supreme hat of soft, dull satin with a black, "'bird of paradise feather falling down over the left shoulder. "'Even to the masculine eye, which is notoriously to seek in these matters, a whale of a hat. "'And yet this sumptuously upholstered young woman had been marooned by a shower of rain "'beneath the awning of Messrs Thorpe and Briscoe. "'Why, Smith asked himself, was this?' Even, he argued, if Charles the chauffeur had been given the day off or was driving her father the millionaire to the city to attend to his vast interests, she could surely afford a cab fare. We, who are familiar with the state of Eve's finances, can understand her inability to take cabs, but Smith was frankly perplexed. Being, however, both ready-witted and chivalrous, he perceived that this was no time for idle speculation. His not the reason why. His obvious duty was to take steps to assist beauty in distress. He left the window of the smoking-room, and having made his way with a smooth dignity to the club's cloak-room, proceeded to submit a row of umbrellas to a close inspection. He was not easy to satisfy to which he went so far as to pull out of the rack, he returned with a shake of the head. Quite good umbrellas, but not fit for this special service. At length, however, he found a beauty, and a gentle smile flickered across his solemn face. He put up his monocle and gazed searchingly at this umbrella. It seemed to answer every test. He was well pleased with it. Whose, he inquired of the attendant, is this? Belongs to the Honourable Mr. Walblewick, sir. Ah, said Smith tolerantly. He tucked the umbrella under his arm and went out. Meanwhile, Eve Halliday, lightening up the sombre austerity of Messrs Thorpe and Briscoe's shopfront, continued to think hard thoughts of the English climate and to inspect the sky in the hope of detecting a spot of blue. She was engaged in this cheerless occupation when at her side a voice spoke. Excuse me. A hatless young man was standing beside her, holding an umbrella. He was a striking-looking young man, very tall, very thin, and very well-dressed. In his right eye there was a monocle, and through this, he looked down at her with a grave friendliness. He said nothing further, but, taking her fingers, clasped them round the handle of the umbrella which he had obligingly opened, and then, with a courteous bow, proceeded to dash with long strides across the road, disappearing through the doorway of a gloomy building which, from the number of men who had gone in and out during her vigil, she had set down as a club of some sort. A good many surprising things had happened to Eve since she first had come to live in London, but nothing quite so surprising as this. For several minutes she stood where she was without moving, staring round-eyed at the building opposite. The episode was, however, apparently, ended. The young man did not reappear. He did not even show himself at the window. The club had swallowed him up and eventually, Eve, deciding that this was not the sort of day on which to refuse umbrellas, even if they dropped inexplicably from heaven, stepped out from under the awning, laughing helplessly, and started to resume her interrupted journey to Miss Clarkson's. Meanwhile, at the Drones Club, a rather painful scene had been taking place. Smith, regaining the shelter of the building, had made his way to the washroom, where, having studied his features with interest for a moment in the mirror, he smoothed his hair, which the rain had somewhat disordered, and brushed his clothes with extreme care. He then went to the cloakroom for his hat. The attendant regarded him as he entered with the air of one whose mind is not wholly at rest. "'Mr. Walderwick was in here a moment ago, sir,' said the attendant. "'Yes,' said Smith, mildly interested. "'An energetic, bustling soul, Comrade Walderwick. "'Always somewhere, now here, now there.' "'Asking about his umbrella, he was,' "'pursued the attendant with a touch of coldness. "'Indeed, asking about his umbrella?' "'Made a great fuss about it, sir,' he did. "'And rightly.' said Smith, with approval. The good man loves his umbrella. Of course I had to tell him that you had it, sir. I would not have it otherwise, assented Smith heartily. I like this spirit of candour. There must be no reservations, no subterfuges between you and Comrade Walderwick. Let all be open and above board. He seemed very put out, sir. He went off to find you. I'm always glad of a chat with comrade Waldwick, said Smith, always. He left the cloakroom and made for the hall, where he desired the porter to procure him a cab. This having drawn up in front of the club, he descended the steps and was about to enter it when there was a hoarse cry in his rear, and through the front door there came bounding a pinkly indignant youth, who called loudly, here, hi, Smith, dash it. Smith climbed into the cab and gazed benevolently out at the newcomer. Ah, Comrade Waldwick, he said. What have we on our mind? Where's my umbrella? demanded the pink one. The cloakroom waiter says you took my umbrella. I mean, a joke's a joke, but that was a dashed good umbrella. It was indeed, Smith agreed cordially. "'It may be of interest to you to know that I selected it "'as the only possible one from among a number of competitors. "'I fear this club is becoming very mixed, Comrade Walderwick. "'You, with your pure mind, would hardly believe the rottenness "'of some of the umbrellas I inspected in the cloakroom.' "'Where is it?' "'The cloakroom? "'Oh, you turn to the left as you go in at the main entrance, and—' "'My umbrella, dash it! Where's my umbrella?' "'Ah, there,' said Smith and there was a touch of manly regret in his voice. You have me. I gave it to a young lady in the street. Where she is at the present moment, I could not say. The pink youth tottered slightly. You gave my umbrella to a girl? A very loose way of describing her. You would not speak of her in that light fashion if you had seen her, Comrade Waldewick. She was wonderful. I am a plain, blunt, rugged man, above the softer emotions as a general thing, but I frankly confess that she stirred a chord in me which is not often stirred. She thrilled my battered old heart, Comrade Waldewick. There is no other word, thrilled it. Oh, but dash it! Smith reached out a long arm and laid his hand paternally on the other's shoulder. Be brave, Comrade Waldwick, he said. Face this thing like a man. I'm sorry to have been the means of depriving you of an excellent umbrella, but as you will readily understand, I had no alternative. It was raining. She was over there, crouched despairingly beneath the awning of that shop. She wanted to be elsewhere, but the moisture lay in wait to damage her hat. What could I do? What could any man worthy of the name do but go down to the cloakroom and pinch the best umbrella in sight and take it to her? Yours was easily the best. There was absolutely no comparison. I gave it to her, and she has gone off with it, happy once more. This explanation, said Smith, will, I am sure, sensibly diminish your natural chagrin. You have lost your umbrella, Comrade Waldewick, but in what a cause? In what a cause, Comrade Waldewick? You are now entitled to rank with Sir Philip Sidney and Sir Walter Raleigh. The latter is perhaps the closer historical parallel. He spread his cloak to keep a queen from wetting her feet. You, by proxy, yielded up your umbrella to save a girl's hat. Posterity will be proud of you, Comrade Walderwick. I shall be vastly surprised if you don't go down in legend and song. Children, in ages to come, will cluster about their grandfather's knees, saying, Tell us how the great Waldewick lost his umbrella, grandpapa. And they will rise from the recital better, deeper, broader children. But now as I see that the driver has started his meter, I fear I must conclude this little chat, which I, for one, have heartily enjoyed. Drive on, he said, leaning out of the window. I want to go to Ada Clarkson's International Employment Bureau in Shaftesbury Avenue. The cab moved off. The on Hugo Walderwick, after one passionate glance in its wake, realised that he was getting wet and went back into the club.